0: Good morning, it's time for your latest episode of View from Military Mind for Saturday, January 30th, 2021, and opinions of, about world and national events from the mind of a military veteran that has served and defended this nation and its citizens since 1978. Insight insight that has been molded by the commitment and sacrifices of the Americans that are defending and have defended our freedoms for the past 247 years. Unfiltered, unedited, and certainly not PC. We are those people. Let's stand up and stand firm. Uh, Welcome everybody. This morning uh, is a very special show. Uh, We have a very special guest on this morning. We have Mr. Bill Muckler a United States Marine Corps veteran and an author of two books, 2020, A Clear Vision for America and 2020, A Clear Vision for Our Future. We'll talk with Bill about his books and get a view from his military mind about our nation and the shape it's in and where he sees us going. Now I'm gonna dedicate almost the entire show to Bill and his two books. Bill, I'm real proud to have you here with us this morning. So we're looking forward to this.
1: Well, thank you very much, Terry. And I'm honored to be on the show. And it's really a great opportunity to be able to talk with you about America.
0: All right. Sounds good. Once we get on with um, after the commercial break, we'll uh, get with Bill. And in the very last segment, we'll go in depth and share our opinions on news from the past week and our viewers comments. And then we'll have my final thoughts from my military mind. So you hang with us right after the break. We'll go ahead and get started with Mr. Bill Muckler and our views from a military mind.
1: Son for 18 months. When he got injured, I knew
0: I had to be strong. I just remember rushing into his room and giving him a big hug and letting him know I was there.
1: These veterans and families are just a few of the heroes we serve at Homes for Our Troops. We build specially adapted custom homes with features like wheelchair access and automatic door openers that allow them to. All right. Well, that was interesting. So we won't play that ad again, will we?
0: <laughs> That was crazy. <laughs> all right. And, and again, I'd like to introduce everybody to Mr. Bill Muckler. Bill, welcome to the show. And um, like I said, you're a United States Marine Corps veteran uh, and an author of two books. Um,
1: tell us a little bit
0: about your uh, uh, Marine Corps service.
1: Well, <clears throat> I had the uh, the opportunity to uh, uh, go to college and be a college boy. Actually, I graduated from uh, high school in May of 53, and all of us thought uh, in my class, we thought we were going to Korea because that was uh, our whole high school uh, career was spent uh, while we were at war with Korea. So uh, I graduated, and that's when the uh, they started the peace. Uh, they you know uh, declared the, um, the ceasefire and uh, started the peace talks. And so my dad, who uh, had only had the opportunity to go to third grade because his father had died uh, when he was nine years old, said, you're going to college. So I went to college. And uh, and before I graduated, I uh, went to, uh, I was called in by the draft board. We have to do that then. They called the pre-induction physical. And of course I passed, that wasn't a problem. And I was able to get a deferment. And when I graduated, I was accepted into the uh, Marine Corps um, Officers' Candidate course, uh, which was uh, really a great honor. And uh, that started my military career. And back on uh, June the 7th of um, 1958, I raised my right hand and swore an oath to um, uh, defend and support the Constitution, uh, the United States of America. And we all we all took, the, as veterans, we took that oath, and we know that. And the reason I'm going through all this is I want everybody to know that I, like all of you that are watching this show, we took that oath and we still live that oath. We still believe in that. And, uh, we, we, uh, serve, uh, every, every day we ne- we never uh, stop serving. We continue to serve. So how how does that bring me <laughs> to a point where you would, you would actually want, want to have me on this show and, uh, what happened was, uh, as I was working uh, in a in a career as a work management process consultant, I did a lot of traveling, and uh, I would be working with a group of uh, people, and uh, you know, uh, and they would they we would talk about all sorts of things. You know, we talk about religion, we talk about politics, music, sports, uh, you know, whatever topic came up. And I guess I was the one who always had the ideas on. Uh, the government and uh, everybody was amazed that I had no uh, respect for the political establishment or the deep uh, bureaucracy in Washington D.C. and that I wanted to see if we couldn't solve problems to uh, uh, get rid of them, <laughs> so to say. So I'm I'm kind of the anti-politician. <laughs> I don't like I don't like any of them because I kind of feel like they're all they're all pretty much the same, you know. One's just want to just take us uh, to uh, dependence quicker than the uh, the other ones do, yeah, so exactly. um, people would say, "Hey, you know, why don't you write that stuff down? You know what you're talking about." So eventually, I I thought, "Okay, I got to write it down." So that's that's how I ended up writing the book, and um, what I did is I took all the um, the issues that the political establishment has imposed upon us. And I, and I list them them and I came out with about 35. And I thought, well, this is way too much, you know? So I started paring it down. I said, okay, which is the worst ones and which are the ones that are not that big of a uh, problem to us immediately. And I got down to 20, hence the name of the book, 2020, a clear vision for our future. And so I took on, you know, uh, subjects like uh, the VA and immigration and education. And I talk about the military and military service. And one of the things I I brought up was all of us that served in the military, no matter what rank we were, whether we were a four-star or just a, you know, um, a, a new recruit coming in, we're all equally important because we all have an important role to play. If we didn't, they wouldn't need us and uh, we wouldn't be there. So I wanted to make sure everybody understood that where I was coming from was we're all equally important. We just have different roles to play. We all have the same responsibilities. We just, uh, you know, perform them in a little bit different capacity. Ben, um, <clears throat> I always uh, would hear uh Guys in the neighborhood say, oh, "You Marines, you're de- you're um, you're just a department of the Navy, you know." And then we get into all those types of things, you know. They're yeah, calling you the men's service? department. Right? <laughs> and so I said, "No, all services are equally important. We just have different missions." So you know, once we kind of get through all that and kind of clear out the clutter, that hey, it doesn't make any difference what branch we're in or what rank we are, or however long we serve, we're all equally important. We just uh, serve different roles, or maybe we're on different missions or whatever. But, you know, so in looking at that that way, I I thought, okay, how do we apply this to uh, our everyday lives? And so for example, like um, I'll just use education for an example, when I wrote a chapter on education, I looked at the background and the history of education in America, and then I did a statistical analysis on it. And you might think, oh, it's pretty deep, you know. I don't want to get involved in that. But uh, I I had to do that because I had to do a cost-benefit analysis to determine, is is how we're educating uh, our youth uh, the best way to do it? And so uh, what I found out was uh, back in 1979, we did not have a Department of Education. And a lot of people uh, just, you know, if you were born uh, say after 1970, uh, we have no idea what, what the country was all about back then. So everybody thought, well, we've had a Department of Education forever. Well, no, we didn't. So in 1979, The United States, our country, our students ranked number one in all test uh, scores. And we're talking about uh, international, around the world, math, science, reading, everything. We were number one without a Department of Education. So then uh, under Carter, we decided, okay, we're going to have a Department of Education, but it's just going to be small, it just be uh, something to help facilitate the educational process in America. And it'll have about three to four thousand employees, and maybe about a four or five billion dollar budget. Now here we are. We've got about an eighty billion dollar budget with a sixty thousand person Department of Education, and we rank thirtieth in the world in our test scores. So my conclusion was: What good is the Department of Education done for us? So why do we have it? Why are we spending all this money? On education, then I thought, how do I find out how much money we're we are spending on education? What I found out is, and uh, my statistics are maybe lagging a little bit, but we're spending well in excess of six hundred billion dollars a year on education, of which only about half of that, a little over three hundred billion, is actually goes to in-class instruction. So where's all where's all the rest of that money going and why are we 30th in the, in the nation? And why are we 30th in the world in scores? So uh, that that led me to uh, my conclusion of how we should uh, educate our uh, young, our young people, our students. So anyway, if you read the book, you know, you you might say to me, well, I don't know where you're going with that because I'm just giving you a little uh, capsule. But if you read the whole chapter, which is, Takes about 20 minutes, about 10 pages, very light reading. Everything's well documented. You'll see, hey, this is really the way we need to go. Now, I also did that for the VA and I did that for the UN. And my conclusion on the UN was get the United States out of the UN and get the UN out of the United States. Yeah, Uh, I think we can say that. Everybody says, yeah, I'm all for that. But I, I really got into why we really need to do that and and the harm that the UN is really causing the United States and how much money we're wasting on it. You know, we're, we're just pouring money into an organization that's really worthless. So then I got, you know, and looked at the military and I, and one of the things that I came up with is we, we need to give everybody on active duty a 20% raise in salary or and and compensation, and in benefits. And well, how can we do that? Well, I have a tax plan uh, to eliminate the IRS and the income tax. And this is all uh, well-documented, it's a way to do it, It bring in more revenue than uh, we ever had before, and we can afford to take care of our uh, military. And then for, for our veterans, and this gets back to whether you serve two or three years or 20 or 30 years, you should get lifetime medical benefits, and with with no questions asked. And the problems we're having with the VA are just horrendous. And why is it that you know when we're on active duty, when I was on active duty, if you had a if somebody had a problem, it was taken care of. I had one of my young Marines uh, suffered a very tragic accident; was completely paralyzed. We got him on a helicopter and I was stationed in Hawaii at the time and this was on one of the outer islands. We got him to Tripler Army Hospital and got him in there and got him the best care you can imagine. We didn't have to wait, you know, to show ID cards or, you know, do paperwork or anything. We just got him in there and got him taken care of. Why can't we do that today? Why do we have all these regulations so uh, that's part of my book is how do we, uh, how do, what are all the things that are happening to us that this whole permanent bureaucracy has imposed on us with all these needless regulations and how can we get rid of them and how can we operate, uh, with, uh, you know, with without them and we can operate very well without them, just like we used to. So, uh, yeah, that's Absolutely. pretty much what my book is, is about. And, uh,
0: all right, Bill, well, I brought up your first book here, which is, um... Yeah,
1: yeah that's actually the second one. Uh, the right, first well, one. The first one is the one that's laying down open, and the second one is the one you see the cover on. Uh, all right, well, here we go. We have got
0: that one to put up there. There you go. Uh, this one's called 2020, uh, A, v- A Clear Vision for America. What, uh, in this book, what's the the specifics on it? What What are we going to get from uh, this particular book and then, uh, We'll get to the next one after the break.
1: Okay. What you're going to get on this, because everything that I researched, and I got thousands, tens of thousands of hours of research on this, is all from the government web pages. Back in 1913, uh, three things happened that really changed the course of America. One of them was um, we created the Federal Reserve. And uh, that, that, was, uh, that was something that they took the, the uh, currency, the, uh, the, the ability to uh, regulate currency from uh, our Congress and gave it to an outside organization. Another one was we, we created the uh, income tax, which was only supposed to be 1%. and We know what happened with that. And then we also took away the right of the states to uh, elect or not elect, but actually appoint their uh, representatives in uh, Washington, D.C. by the uh, 17th Amendment, which said that uh, all uh, senators will now be elected by popular uh, uh, vote. So what happened was when it used to be we the people were on top and uh, the states reported to us and the federal government reported to the states and the states were in control. Now the federal government is control of everything. They treat the states like uh, regional departments and then on the bottom is we the people who really have no say whatsoever. We're not represented at all in our government. And by reading this book, you'll understand exactly how all this happened and what we need to do about to uh, resolve the issues.
0: Mm, Outstanding. All right. Um, Got the basis of the first book here. Give us just a minute. we got to go into a real quick break here, and me and Bill will be right back, and we'll start talking about 2020, a clear vision for our future. So hang tight with us for just a second, and we'll be right back. VFW was founded, their mission was really to look out for the veterans community, to make sure that our nation upholds its promise to really care for the service member, the veteran, and his or her family. There are several ways that the VFW fights for veterans today. The top services include disability claims assistance, advocacy on Capitol Hill and with the Department of Veterans Affairs. We also offer scholarship opportunities and then also volunteerism. For me personally, when I came back from Iraq, my life experience was drastically different From those around me. And the Veterans of Foreign Wars really spoke to me. The reason I would encourage veterans who have served overseas today to join the VFW is because this is your organization. The VFW is for veterans. Every generation, a new generation of leaders steps up in the Veterans of Foreign Wars and fights for the veterans community.
1: The Veterans of Foreign Wars, no one does more for veterans. this so like i said uh in this next segment
0: um we'll talk about uh, bill's second book here uh 2020 a clear vision for the future so bill you uh, um i'm assuming it and i'll let everybody know out there i haven't had a chance to read the books yet uh, i just found them from bill earlier i really made a mistake by trying to order from amazon they're not carried on there um uh, if, correct me if i'm wrong bill we can go to your website to order the books uh, and
1: get them sent. Yes, uh, that's correct. And uh, I personally uh, receive the orders. I sign every one of my books, and I uh, print out the labels myself, and I take them to the post office and make sure they're uh, mailed out that very same day that I receive the orders. So uh, I, I'm personally invested in this. Uh, in my new book, um, people asked me, they said, well, can you, can you write and explain to us what your thinking was behind the book and, uh, your first book and tell us a little bit more about it. So what I did is I, I decided to write another book, uh, and it's 20 chapters and I, but I wrote it in three parts and, uh, in the three parts, um, that I wrote it, uh, the first part is restoring our constitution. I have the entire constitution and the, uh, history of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights in there, but I do it in a way that's never been written before. I I write it so uh, it's very brief and it's very understandable and you understand exactly what it's all about. For example, I have a chapter called um, The Fabulous First, and that's uh, about the First Amendment and why it's so important. And then the next chapter is called The Sacred Second. Why the Second Amendment is the key to uh, all the other amendments, because without the Second Amendment, we're going to lose the first one. But in the meantime, what I'd like to do is read quickly read a couple of things from the book so you get a little bit of an idea where I'm coming from. The dedication of my book is this book is humbly dedicated to the 220 courageous Marines from the 1st Battalion, 8th Regiment, The 18 sailors and three soldiers who, while on duty to protect us, were taken on 23 October 1983 in Beirut, Lebanon. May Colonel Timothy J. Garrity, USMC, retired, and his 1,800 brave peacekeepers always be remembered. I want to make sure we remember all all of our uh, fallen heroes. And so I wanted to make sure we didn't forget about the ones in Beirut. We shouldn't remember the ones from the coal. We shouldn't remember any of them from any of the uh, 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 battles or uh, whatever happened like Pearl Harbor. Um, the next thing I want to do is I want to read something and uh, this is something that you you all may think you've heard this before, but I doubt if you really have. Or, and I I hope maybe some of you have read this. And uh, in the book, in the introduction, I say, uh, quote, that all men are by nature equally free and independent and have certain inherent rights of which, when they enter into a state of society, they cannot, by any compact, deprive or divest their posterity, namely the enjoyment of life and liberty. And the means of acquiring and possessing property, and pursuing and obtaining happiness and safety. Now, does that sound kind of familiar to people? But no one's really read this before, because this was the Declaration of Independence that was written on June the twelfth of seventeen seventy-six by George Mason and the Commonwealth of Virginia Declaration of Independence, of which. A young 33-year-old attorney by the name of Tom Jefferson happened to be in that group, and he kind of did this, and he did a copy-and-paste job. So on July the 4th, we had our own Declaration of Independence that read almost exactly like this, except there was one thing that they, they left out, and I guess they had some disagreements and some arguments, and they were trying to get everything done. They left out the part where it says, the means of acquiring and possessing property, and this this is uh, what my book is about. In a sense, is ownership because the United States, in what we have here uh, in the United States, that they don't have in the other 195 countries in the on the planet, is we have the right to own property. But we have the right to own a lot more things. And we don't think about that so much because we think, okay, I I own my house. But you don't really own your house. The bank owns your house, more than likely, because the bank, uh, if you miss about two or three payments, the bank is going to come and get it. And you say, well, I own my car. Well, try uh, going without uh, making payments for two or three months, and the repro guy is going to come and get your car. So do you really own that? And everything else we own is probably on credit cards. So this is what's happened to us in America. We've kind of become slaves of all this. But the the important thing is we actually own our rights. So the right for uh, you know free speech and uh, the right to own and uh, possess firearms, those are all things that we own. And right now, what I'm afraid of and why I wrote this book is that the government is trying to take those rights away from us. They're trying to say, no, you don't own those rights anymore. We own those rights, and we're the ones who are going to take them away from us. And I'm saying, no, you can't, because Aaron Creator endowed those rights on us, and he endowed us with ownership. Now, what else do we really own? You know we really own? We own our time, our toil, and our talents. In other words, we own the time that we spend, we own the toil of what we work to acquire uh, uh, possessions, property, and we own our talent and our our skills. So those are the things we own, and we own free will. And so let's get back to declaring the the, uh, independence. We didn't declare dependence, Our our founding fathers declared independence, But right now, we're completely dependent on the government, on the banks, and everybody else. And we've got to take ourselves away from that and remove ourselves from that. And right now, I think there's a movement in this country that is starting to understand that, hey, we really own our rights, and we want to protect our rights, and uh, we want to own our free will, because that's what God gave us. He gave us our ability to think. And the government and now, with our permanent bureaucracy, uh, which is known as the deep state, which is heading towards a new world uh, order, which I also write about in my uh, book, is trying to take all this away from us so we will not be able to uh, own anything anymore. We'll uh, end up being uh, just uh, wards of the state. In other words, serfs and go right back to where we were in 1970s. Six before we declared independence.
0: Yeah, and it, I see more and more every day too, um, where we have socialist ideas, things we fought for or fought against. Excuse me, uh, fought against in World War One, World War Two, uh, uh, in Korea, Vietnam, uh, stopping the communist and socialist spread. And you see that just inundating our country. Uh, it's absolutely crazy. And uh, you know, from what I'm gathering on your book, uh, you address some of that. <clears throat> know anyway, because we lose our freedoms we just give them up we we roll over and lay over onto the government uh, and that's what I'm seeing that you, your book is quite a bit about
1: yeah in other words then we we gave up uh, we gave up ownership of our time our our uh, toil and our talent so we actually started out in this country on with socialism back in uh, sixteen twenty when the Puritans uh, arrived in the uh, uh, on the, the Mayflower, Mayflower in Plymouth Rock. And I explain all that, and I use that as an example of why capitalism is important and why the free market uh, system is so important because the free market system is, is really uh, gives us the ability to be creative and use our, our talent and our time and our toil to uh, own uh, our uh, property and not only our property, but our intellectual property. So, um, what happened uh, back in 1620 is they had a system of socialism whereby everybody uh, grew uh, crops and uh, made uh, uh, products or whatever uh, goods, and it all went in the warehouses. And the um, owner of the um, of the uh, system uh, of the um, they they took their part and they gave the rest of it to the uh, the settlers that came over. Well, after about three years, they were just about uh, destitute and uh, in, in bad straits. And they said, no, we want to own our own property. And so once they decided that they could ha- have their own uh, property and they could farm their own land and they could make their own products, that's, that was the start of capitalism. And that's when they really became successful. It wouldn't have been for that. They would have died off and we wouldn't have had uh, that uh, settlement there. Yeah, I hadn't thought about them uh, with
0: the Puritans having that kind of a, a system, and that was long before Lenin and Marx and uh, Mao Zedong and uh, several of those oh, yeah. that uh, claimed yeah. it as their own. On the way. I, I have
1: the history uh, going back to 1847 when uh, Marx and uh, wrote the uh, Communist Manifesto. I have that in the book, and I explain why that, how how they wrote it, and why it's so dangerous uh, to us as Americans in a free society. Well, wow,
0: it's it's crazy how far we've come, in here we're going to turn around. And it looks like we're trying to roll right back into it again, uh, and destroy what we've, uh, our forefathers and our descendants have all worked so hard for.
1: Yes, uh, and um, it's it's be, we're becoming more and more dependent on the government every day, and and we're going through a whole entire cycle where. We went from uh, bondage to uh, dependence to finally freedom and so forth. And then over a period of several hundred years, we, we're going right back into uh, dependence. And from dependence, we'll go back into bondage, which is uh, what we had with King George III back in uh, when we declared independence. Mm-hmm.
0: Bill, just to to pick your mind, what do you think as the American people? You you know, everything rests in our hands and all in all reality and legally by the Constitution and uh, all of our ministers of it rests in our hands. What do you tell uh, the American people or someone who talks to you? What do you tell them they need to do to try to get this corrected?
1: Well, first of all, knowledge is power. So they really need to understand what the history is and what the background of where we came from and, and how we got all this because we can't get it back until we know exactly what we what we had and what we lost so that's the first step and then we have to start electing leaders that are really leaders and um, representing us because right now i don't think that the the majority of the congress is really representing us i think they're representing the interest of the uh, uh, of their um, <laughs> how would you say
0: uh, To represent
1: represent them, uh, you know, the uh, uh, military-industrial complex, the banking-industrial complex, the medical-industrial complex, which, which is all, all these uh, these uh, various entities are really ruling the country. The media, I, I we know now, like we're independent. We can talk, Terry. You and I can talk, and we can have people listen to us, but. The rest of the media, the what I call the shady stream media because they're really pretty shady characters, they end up uh, there's what about five or six companies that in that control the entire media of the United States or the world and uh, we we' that that's how we get our news and do we really get the news or are we getting something that they want us to hear?
0: Uh, we're we're just getting what they want us to hear, and it addresses their agenda. Now, it, for my normal shows and for when I'm on, uh, uh, moving it right with Rich Ashton out of Florida on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. You now, we look at some of the mainstream media items that are out there just because it, we want to see what the different viewpoints are, whether they're from you know, CBS, NBC, ABC, CNN, or whatever, or Fox News, uh, and then we also look at OAN, uh, One American News Network, and uh, Newsmax and of course Newsweek and we try to put all this stuff together and make a, a conglomeration try to figure out what's the truth but most of the time they're just feeding us their agenda because they have some kind of monetary um, interest in what's going on and they wanted to control the narrative they're supportive of the, the the left side of the world right now so yeah that when it comes to independence like me and you and uh, some of my other friends and uh, some of the larger uh, news agencies uh, or fighting an uphill battle
1: and that that's for sure and let, let's talk about back in uh, 1773 uh the Boston Tea Party 1775 uh the battles of Lexington and Bunker Hill there was a movement started then and really that's what it was it was a movement by the uh, uh, about 15 to 20 percent of the colonists to become free and independent. And I think that we're starting to see that movement come back today. Uh, but the, um, the socialists, the leftists, the, as I call them, the regressives uh, in my book, thats I refer to them, they're not progressive, they're regressive, are taking over the country. We need to take it back from them until we really understand what they've taken from us and what we're losing and what we really have to have. We're not going to really fight that hard for it. We're not going to get everybody to fight for it the way we need them to. It's just going to be a, a, a few of us starting, uh, like you, Terry, getting getting us on the right track of understanding uh, what it's all about with a view from the military mind of those of us who served, that took the oath, that still believe in the oath. See, the majority of the people, ninety what, 98% of the people in the country never took an oath to uh, the Constitution.
0: Now, the current standing is about 1.3% of the country even serves in any kind of military capacity or in um, uh, what I would call a first responder capacity Mm -hmm. with law enforcement, fire, EMS, uh, your military, and, uh, Mm -hmm. of course, your Coast Guard account is military, too. Uh, I never forget my Coastie brothers and sisters out there. Uh, So, yeah, it's a very small percentage that actually uh, defend and protect those rights that are out there in our country and defend and protect our own homes from uh, uh, perpetrators who want to do us harm, whether they be foreign or domestic.
1: So, uh, to, uh, I guess to uh, further uh, take that on then, I, I, I wrote the books not, not to make me money because not, let me tell you, this is costing me a fortune because here's another thing. I had to self-publish my books because no publishers would publish uh, my books. You know what they told me, uh, and I, I'm the king of rejection. You'd be surprised how many rejections I got. <laughs> um, your content is not uh, competitive. My content is not in, of interest to the uh, to the readers, uh, their readers. I'm a new author, so I don't uh, I don't have any standing. I'm a new author. I've never been published before, so. Uh, we don't publish anybody that uh, has never written published a book before and I'm thinking wait a minute how, how did how did uh, people get started how did Hemingway get started you know and so forth somebody had to somebody had to get started you know so it's all excuses because the publishers all want to control the the narrative as well and uh, they're all part of this whole uh, uh, cabal, this uh, this uh, this news industrial complex <laughs> that, that's trying to control us and, and tell us this is how you must think. And I want people to think more like the wh- way I'm thinking, which I think is more in the mainstream of the military mind and those of us who actually put ourselves uh, on the line. Exactly. So, Bill, give me right real quick, um, what is the... Uh the uh,
0: web address for your uh, book so we can get that out there and people can help you out and buy that book.
1: Okay. Uh, and, and what uh, It's 2020americabook.com. So if, if you just go and uh, Google 2020americabook.com, you can do it in lowercase or uppercase or whatever. It doesn't make any difference. And uh, that'll take you to my webpage. And I, um, I've had some volunteers, or all veterans, uh, including my son, who's a veteran, uh, put this web page together for me. And uh, they have my bio on there. They have something about the books, and they have uh, on there how to order. And ordering my books uh, on there is exactly the same way as if you ordered something from Amazon, or if you ordered it from uh, any other we- uh, web page. It's just as safe and just as secure and just as easy to do it. I get the orders directly to me, and I go ahead and I sign every one of my uh, books that goes out. I make sure they all get signed and they're all uh, they're all mailed by me personally, and uh, you don't get that from anybody <laughs> anybody else. The publishers are only in they are only interested in how much money they can make per unit sold. You know so. Um, if If they can make two dollars a you know a book, then uh, they'll they'll probably uh, try and they'll they'll take it on and publish it, but they won't publish anything. In other words, they're not interested in content. that's what we have to understand. All they're interested in is what the bottom line unit cost price is,
0: yeah uh, well. Bill, I put right at the end of our crawler down. It's going across the bottom of the screen there. At the end of it is the web address for Bill's book.
1: So And it's
0: www.2020americasbook.com. Go on there, buy the book, support Bill and what he's doing, support the information dissemination that we want. Um, Bill, if you give us a minute here, we're going to take us a quick break. Uh, we'll get into uh, our last segment, which is our closing, and then my military thoughts, which I'll help you with. Well, that's a heck of a thing. My my host tag comes up on your picture. I did not include that. But anyway, everybody just hang tight with us. Again, Bill Muckler's two books, 2020, A Clear Vision for America, and 2020, A Clear Vision for Our Future, available at 2020americasbook.com. Hang tight with us. We're going to go into a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back.
1: What do you see in a parade? You see children with their flags, families clapping and laughing. What do you see when he walks by? Do you see his struggle, his path, his fight? Do you
0: see him? When he walks,
1: he walks alone, when he stands, he stands by himself, but he stands knowing the force of the VFW, America's largest organization of combat veterans, has his back. We are the VFW, and no one does more for veterans. All right, we're back. Bill joining us here,
0: just a second. There he is. There is Bill. All right. Um. And, uh, Bill, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go over and take a look at something. What what we're gonna do in this uh, closing here is we're gonna take a look at a story that uh, gets to us individually. Um, you know, Bill, if you can think of one that a news point that really got to you this week, uh, we'll we'll start discussing it. Uh, right now, I'll go with the uh, one that's bothered me this week. Uh, intensely is the number of presidential executive orders that our current president, and I'll just call him Joe Biden, uh, has done, you know, over 25, um, executive orders already this week, less than 10 days. He is uh, just about stripped what president Trump has done. Um, he has now devastated our job market by shutting down things like the XL pipeline. Um, he just obviously has no clue whatsoever the number of jobs that he is decimating out there. Uh, he has stopped construction on the wall down on the southern border, which we need not only for our protection, but those thousands of jobs that are down there also. So essentially, this man is destroying our com- our, our country from the inside out by his caveats, his uh, fiats that he thinks going to uh, unite the country. And, uh, and for the longest time, I used to tell people, you know, and always, I still do tell them, you know, educate yourself, understand what in the world is going on. And I tell them, don't rise up in arms. That's not what we're about. We're a, a, a peaceful people where we can protest peacefully. We don't have to go into violence. But and Bill, I'm afraid that uh, we're headed towards that, uh, that uh, uh, endgame of uh, watching this country come to a violent uh, reaction to what this idiot's doing up there. Uh, what's your words?
1: Hey, you're exactly right on this. And uh, this all gets down back to uh this new world order, which is really the ultimate goal. And it'll be where the political elite uh, have complete control over. So what they're trying to do is take things away from us on a gradual basis. So they, they're starting with, uh, they talk about the Green New Deal. They say, well, you know, we're we're going to cause uh, complete destruction of the planet in the next uh, 10 or 12 years. Well, that's simply not true. Uh, back in 1970, when I had a, a small typography company, I was actually doing a newsletter for, for a guy that was at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, by the name of Barry Comner. Dr. Comner was the founder of this whole new uh, environmental movement. And I read this newsletter as as we produced the uh, typography on it, and I thought, this is crazy, you know, what, what this guy's doing. But what he was talking about then was he said, there's an imminent danger of an ice age that's going to destroy the planet by 1975. This is back in 1970, 6970. Well, the ice age never happened. So then they said, <laughs> no, no. Uh, Global warming is going to destroy the country. So then we're going to have global warming destroy the, com- the country, and that, And then when that didn't happen, now they're saying uh, it's man-made climate change. But the whole thing is the whole thing is a hoax. It's all bizarre because none of it none of it's happening. I'm old enough. I'm 85 years old. I was born in 1935. I remember in the early 50s, the late 40s and 50s. That the cities in America, you know, have smog and our water wasn't as clean as it could be. And I remember uh, taking a trip to Pittsburgh and it, it, the air was just completely gray, you know. It's not like that anymore. It, you go around the United States and we've got clean water. We've got safe drinking water. We've got clean air. We don't have that anymore. So why, why are they trying to uh, get us to think that? We have to be, um, we have to shut down our oil industry, for example, our fossil fuels, which by the way, I've worked in a lot of the heavy industries. I've worked in, I've probably worked in more than 30 different uh, coal-fired plants. None of them are producing any, uh, the great degree of uh, carbons or anything like that. They've all got scrubbers on, they spent billions of dollars installing air scrubbers that clean up the air. So this whole thing is just a complete myth. And I've worked at U.S. Steel and other steel com- companies, and they're cleaning up everything. They've been doing this ever since the 70s and 80s. They've been they've been doing this. They're not emitting any uh, toxins into the air. If they were, we'd have people dropping dead on the streets. They're not. We're breathing clean air, and we're drinking good water. So I'll the whole them. thing is a hoax, you know, but they – It's a religion for them, because if they can get us to believe in that, then we won't believe in our country, and we won't believe in our God, we'll believe in the government.
0: Right. I hear you. And and I'm like you. When I first came out of the active duty in the military back in the the early 80s, I went to work at U.S. Steel and took my apprenticeship out there. And back then, I mean, we didn't have, we still we started getting the scrubbers in to to get some of these VOCs down, or volatile, volatile organic chemicals, as they call them. And, but we started having cleaner and cleaner air. You didn't see the emissions coming out of the steel mills like when my father worked there in the all through the 60s. You know, you didn't have the big plumes coming out then. In my time, there were steam and um, things like that, byproducts of cleaning up uh, all the emissions. So, yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I, I never have believed in the, uh, the climate change BS. The, um, even when I was in cl- college, we talked about, you know, climate change and how much it's actually changing, and it's like 0.001 degree uh, over the course of a, a two- to five-year period. So it's, it's not an immense change. So it's nothing more than a money-making um, uh, issue uh, for the left, for them to try to keep things. They want to shut down all of our, our fossil fuels. Um, that they're, they're, they're bowing and kowtowing to the environmental uh, group, the extreme environmental groups, um, and build all these green things. Uh, the Green New Deal, AOC's Green New Deal. So now they're cow to the socialist side of the uh, Democratic Party or the left. Um, and and speaking about AOC, uh, this woman has lost her ever loving mind. Uh, I think she should she needs to really go back to being a bartender because the BS stories work great with drunks. <laughs> when you tell me that Ted Cruz has you know, since you death threats or threatened your life. I think you've been drinking a little bit too much of the Kool Aid and you need to go back and you go back to be a bartender, okay? You know, we can understand why you make stupid comments like this. Uh, and Ted Cruz has, Ted Cruz lately has been in agreement on a lot of things uh, with AOC. She's had a, uh, a sudden epiphany of uh, common knowledge that people will agree with her on. Um, but hold your breath. It won't last long, which which it didn't when she comes up with Ted Cruz threatening to kill her. Um, it's absolutely absolutely crazy. Um, I really don't know what to do with this. Uh, i try I try to educate people as best I can. I don't advocate violence, but, like I said, it looks like we're going to that to that uh, to that end. So, Bill, what kind of what news story this week has really gotten under your skin or bothered you? Um,
1: one one of the things I guess uh, I'm not sure if it was the end of last week or this week, but uh, when the um, the Simon and Schuster uh, canceled out uh, Josh, Senator Josh Holly Holly of Missouri's uh, book contract, and to think that you know you can have a contract and then a company can cancel you out, and and that's. This whole new thing about the cancel culture that has really bothered me a lot. Uh, they can take away uh, uh, the president's ability uh, to be on Twitter. Uh, they they've taken it away from a lot of the uh, the uh, politicians, senators, and so forth. But they've also actually closed down Parlor and. Uh, how can they how can they shut somebody down and and they're all in this together they're they're working together on this google and amazon and twitter and facebook zuckerberg um, all of them they're all in this together because they're colluding on this because they're canceling everybody out all at the same time so and this this gets back to I want us to own our rights, and they're trying to cancel our rights away from us, cancel our ownership away from us. And so we, we don't even have the right to be on uh, on social media anymore.
0: Yeah, uh, and I'm really surprised. I haven't been shut down as a conservative uh, uh, talk show and news show. Uh, I really am surprised. And, of course, I'm not as prominent as a lot of them are. Uh, but I see it as, you know. Zuckerberg and all those with um, Facebook and Google and Amazon and all, they've just gotten away with anything they want to. And they're driving their socialist agenda. And everybody's afraid to break up the monopoly that they have. I mean, look back at um, uh, Ma Bell back in the day. They busted it all to pieces because it controlled everything under the sun. And I, I think it needs to be done here. But we don't have politicians with the cojones to do that.
1: And, Terry, I don't know if if it's that as much as it is um, most of the politicians are getting their uh, their campaign contributions from these very same uh, tech companies that are ruling the, the, the social media. So if a politician is getting, say, several million dollars from uh, Facebook, they're not going to do anything to get rid of our uh, justice uh, this uh, regulation was at 2:30 that we keep hearing about that gives them this this right that, that says they're a platform, not a uh, publisher or a, a media company. So we we've got to get the we got to get the money out of that too. And that's another thing I write about is how the lobbyists are just ruling uh, uh, the country and actually ruining the country because they're buying the politicians so what is it happens when a politician goes to Washington DC they don't represent us anymore they represent uh, the people who donate the money to them
0: exactly exactly and it and like you said section 230 protects them from any kind of um, repercussions for violation of the First Amendment um, so I think that, that I agree with Trump on that one that should have been revoked I don't agree with the the methodology he was using he was holding it you know uh, almost trying to hold our men and women in uniforms pay and, you know, uh, under the NDAA, but uh, it does need to be readdressed. And that 230 needs to be revoked where it protects these private companies because they, they do as they please, they do as uh, of their own will. And we have become so dependent on social media and uh, all these little apps and all this mess here. I mean, I can remember growing up as a kid. If, if I had a phone, it was attached to a wall and a cord, and I didn't go far with it. <laughs> I know you remember those days well, Bill.
1: <laughs> well, listen, I, was, I had lunch with a with a Marine and a, and a couple other people yesterday, and we were talking about phones. And I said, "Hey, I remember the first phone that we had. There, it was a four-party line where four four families were on the same line. And I remember we got upgrade. We didn't know we didn't know the word upgrade then." But we got upgraded to a two party line. So, you know, when you picked up the phone, there's a good, there's, you had a 50% better chance somebody else wasn't talking on it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But
0: you still had to worry about the operator who switched you over because she was sitting there listening in and your business was going to be out in the town.
1: (laughs) And the thing is, you could pick up the phone and hold your hand over the, uh, over the, uh, the mouthpiece and you could listen to what everybody else was talking about.
0: Oh, I know. It, it was crazy. I remember that when I was younger, having the party line system. That was,
1: yeah, uh, but I kind of missed that. We, we, all, we all survived pretty well, didn't we? Yeah, and and we survived
0: real well. We didn't have to have phones in our pocket all the time like we do now. Uh, we don't have apps to tell us when to uh, eat and go to the bathroom and uh, call our buddies. And We're under 24-hour constant communication and surveillance and connection. Which is insane. Um, when I shut my, if I shut my phone off, people actually get upset at me. I've known for years. I'm like, no, let me be. It's time to. I gotta get away from it. But yeah, I'm like everybody else, you know, in business and operating, and you know, I'm connected. So, unfortunately, uh, okay, I'm not exactly. We,
1: we haven't talked about yet is is health, and we haven't talked about. Uh, they're now trying to say we're going to investigate. Within a few years, we're, we'll have an answer as to where COVID-19 came from, because we don't really know where it came from. And it looks to me like it's pretty obvious it came from China. And it's pretty obvious that the flu epidemic of uh, 1918 also came from China. But we're making sure we're not talking about any of those things, because that's history. And we don't want anybody to know anything about history in this country anymore.
0: Exactly. And <laughs> uh, for the longest time I was getting into the, COVID, uh, the COVID-19 discussion, and it got so convoluted, you, you couldn't tell who was telling you the truth or lying to you. And I, I got so mad. And I, I finally, in fact, I did it on uh, uh, Richard's show, Moving It Right, uh, one Tuesday. I finally just, I blew up. I said, that's it. I, I stopped. I'm tired of the COVID-19 crap. Okay, I haven't caught it. I haven't had, I don't know anybody, maybe one person that had symptoms of it. Okay, I've known several people that took the test and they couldn't make their mind up whether the test was positive or negative or positive or negative negative positive. They didn't know. So it, it, to me, it's a, another ploy, uh, another uh, BS operation that's going on for them to try to make control of the country. Now, do I believe people actually get it and and suffer severe consequences from it? Yes, but it's not as prolific and insane as the media. Here we go again with our media. And our politicians are driving it to be. Um, Now, all of a sudden, we hear from New York, from Cuomo, uh, the fine individual up there as their governor, along with the uh, idiot de Blasio, they suddenly find out we've got 20,000 additional nursing home deaths in New York that they didn't know about. How long did it take them to modify those documents and death certificates to get that additional 20,000 from COVID-19? Um, and I've had I've seen documented proof where a lot of these deaths that they're saying are COVID-19 are not. They had the virus there, but that's not what caused them. When you show me a gunshot victim and you tell me on his death certificate that he died from COVID-19, I'm going to call you a liar. Uh, same with a motorcycle accident. Somebody who has a heart attack. It, it, it's crazy what I've seen in honest documentation that is just...
1: Get bonuses if they if they report a COVID nineteen death. And and see, I don't I don't if like that. <laughs> yeah. So so everybody's making money off of this except the uh, the the people who are getting fi- laid off from their jobs, or have you know trying to work as a waitress or whatever uh, and they they can uh, open up. I actually went to a move, uh, see a movie uh, yesterday. And there's only two of us in the entire uh, uh, audience in there, in the entire room where they showed the movie. They just opened it up, and I thought, I'm going to go and I'm going to support them. It's a local theater here in uh, Florida where I live, and it's just, uh, it was just great. And I just sat in there, and there was only one other guy in there. <laughs> I don't know how they made it, but at least, uh, you know, I feel like I had to do something.
0: Exactly. Exactly. All right. We got about three minutes left here, and I'm going to get into uh, my closing end here. You know, it's this country is one of the greatest countries in the world. I have been all over the world, just as I know you have too, Bill. Um, I've even been to a couple of countries, which I imagine you probably have too, that no longer exist because their governmental basis was so shaky and it was just overrun by somebody else. So, I encourage and I, I mean, I push people to educate themselves about the the history of our country and how things are going on here. You know, you can't have something just because somebody gave it to you. You've got to work for it and you've got to earn it. We've had forefathers that worked hard and earned our country's position and our rights and our um, freedoms have been earned by the men and women that uh, put their lives on the line and have lost their lives, have lost their fortunes, lost their homes. You know, people talk about the things that we've done in our past. Well, let's learn from those things we did in the past. If you got a problem with the Civil War, open your mind up, open your eyes up, and read what actually happened. Don't assume. Don't believe the rabble-rousers or the shit-stirers. Educate yourself. Don't be the the lemming over the cliff. Don't be the sheep following you know, the single leader and go off to the side. Um, Educate yourself, be smart, learn your constitution, learn your amendments, learn the Bill of Rights. Buy things like Bill Muckler's book uh, and and educate yourself there. Get you a copy of the Federalist Papers and get you a copy of the Constitution. They're out there, you can get them for free. If you can't find one, write me at VFAMM2020 at gmail.com. I'll send you a copy of the Constitution. I uh, won't, won't charge you anything. I won't even charge you postage. Just write me and let me know where you're at, and I'll get you a copy of the Constitution. I'll send it to you with the Bill of Rights and everything in it so you can read and educate yourself. Um, write to Bill you know, at his website, www.2020americasbook.com. Uh, order his book. I imagine uh, you've got a contact point on there for uh, uh, hearing from you. So there's people out there that will help you and educate you. We can get past this socialism. We can get past all this extremism we've got going on in our country. So from View for the Military Mind and Valkyrie Productions, Bill, I want to thank you very, very much for being here with me. It's been educational. I look forward to getting your books and reading those. Um, You got anything else before we cut out?
1: Terry, I I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about America, and uh, I hope that – Uh, All of our veterans are safe and well, and uh, things are going to get better because we're going to make them better.
0: There you go, Bill, I think. And I know that, Will, as long as I have patriots and friends like you out there, I know things are going to get better for us. Um, For my brothers and my sisters out there, please be careful, be safe, keep your head down, and everybody keep our troops and our first responders in your mind and in your prayers. In your thoughts every day. Reach out and shake the hand of a law enforcement officer. thank a firefighter for what the little things that he does. Thank an EMT. This is Terry Mills your host of view from a military mind, saying good day, have a fine weekend and God bless America.